Hi, you guys. Hello, Woodland Hills. My shirt looks great. Well, thank you. You, you, you look marvelous too. You look, you, you look marvelous. Um, wow, that was a worship ser service, wasn't it? Uh, th th that was just, I love being in an environment like that where there's just the power of God and the love of God coming down. It's just fantastic, fantastic. Uh, thanks to Brianna for that uh, wild lady for uh, preaching last week. Uh, as, yes, she's, she's, she's adorable. Give Shelly and I and some friends a chance to get away and get a little vacay. We all need that once in a while. And so uh, th that was good. I want to start this. Uh, oh, we're supposed to give an offering. <laughs> Can't forget that. That'd be an that, unforgivable sin. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so would you pass the buckets that are on your left to pass them to the right? And, uh, uh, yeah, we don't want to miss that. Okay, yes. We like to do that before the sermon because if you do it after the sermon, the, the offering tends to be a lot lower. And, and so, <laughs> do it right after the hot worship set before the sucky preacher gets up there. Okay, let's look at this passage. This is Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, on the one hand, it sounds like a tautology, like it's just repeating itself. Of course, he says free to be free. But actually, it's a very powerful statement because he's saying that we're not set free for something else. The freedom is an end in and of itself. It's for freedom that we've been set free. It's, a, it, it, it's an end in and of itself. The purpose is to be free. So Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul here is talking specifically about the law. Don't be in bondage to the law, trying to get right with God by your complying with a bunch of rules. Uh, but it applies across the board. Because the truth is that God created us to be free. Um, we are to be God's viceroys here on the planet. We're, we're his landlords. We're to have the rule over the earth and the animal kingdom. We're to manifest his loving character by the way we take care of the earth and the animal kingdom. And, and so we're created for royalty we're king and queens of this earth. So it's against our nature, our God-created nature, to be ruled by anything or anyone. Nothing's supposed to rule us, and we're not supposed to rule one another. That's what Jesus says at one point, the pagans do that, but among you it shall not be so. Train the Lord over one another. Uh, we are to rule. The only one we're to be submitted to is Jesus Christ, who rules us with love. And our job is to reflect that love by how we rule the earth and the animal kingdom. So you're a king and a queen, and to be subject and bondage to any yoke of slavery is unnatural to you. This is why slavery and all forms of oppression with one people group above another are inherently anti-Christ. And they're anti-creational. Human beings are meant to be free, not lorded over by others. But it also applies to anything, anyone and anything that would possibly lord over us. Uh, it's against our nature. Now the thing is, is in this fallen world, there are oppressive powers working all the time and working through all sorts of means to try to get us back into a yoke of slavery, to try to take away uh, the royalty of being a king and queen of God who's meant to co-rule with him on this earth. There's all sorts of things out there that try to oppress us and, and put us in bondage. And so on that note, I'm going to talk today about one of the kind of things that can keep us in bondage. It's a primary thing. It's a, a centrally important thing, and that has to do with addictions. We're in this series on, on being overwhelmed, and we're talking about things that, that get us stuck and, and that keep us from being all we can be in Christ and that in, in, inhibit the quality of our life. 
And addiction is, is, is certainly one of the things that, uh, for probably 10 to 15% of the people hearing this message this weekend, it, it's, it's, you, you fall in the category of, of a classical addiction, where it's defined as, as, as a, 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 being under the control of some substance, drug addiction, alcohol, something along those lines. Uh, and, and so you, you know who you are, and it's kind of obvious. For others of us, there can be addictions there that we're not even aware of. And we'll get to some of this a little bit later on. But uh, anything that, you, that controls you rather than you controlling it. Or one way to ask the question is, what would, it, what, it, what would it be hard, maybe impossible to go a day without or a week without? And can I just get that on your mental register? What, and is that something that you control or does it control you? Okay. I, I, I want to start by talking a little bit about the science of addiction. And um, how it works. It just will help us to get a handle on this by, by knowing a little bit about this. Here's the thing. The brain is hardwired to secrete a certain chemical in response to positive behaviors. It's called dopamine. And it's kind of the, the pleasure-giving chemical in our brain. Uh, it's part of our, our uh, brain reward circuitry, it's called. Where, from a natural point of view, from nature's point of view, it's, it, it's there to reward and encourage behavior that is beneficial to us, to our survival, and the survival of our species. And so it releases dopamine. It's the brain's way of saying, that's nice. Let's do it again. <laughs> so typically people have a dopamine release uh, after sex, uh, after eating a meal when you've been hungry. It's really good. There's that satisfied feeling. Uh, people have a, a, a dopamine release with, with exercise. It's sort of nature's way of encouraging us out on the hunt to keep on hunting. And so we have a dopamine release with that. Uh, you can have a dopamine release when you're in, in close fellowship with others. Uh, especially women, I'm told, have a strong dopamine relief when they're bonding with one another. Um, but we all, all of us have that to some degree. Um, and, and, and see, that's just the brain's way of saying, that's good, that's necessary, do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Trouble is, in this fallen world, our brain gets screwed up, doesn't it? Our brain gets damaged. We're all brain damaged. And so what happens is that in this fallen world, with the powers working as they do, our, our, our reward circuitry can latch onto the wrong things. The things that we think, the brain says, oh, it's beneficial, do it again. But it's not beneficial, and we shouldn't do it again. And, and our brain circuitry can get hijacked. Um, and screwed up in different ways. The most obvious form of this is, is it takes place with, with mood-altering drugs, okay? So you take uh, narcotics, painkillers, uh, heroin, uh, cocaine. What happens is those drugs artificially release uh, a heavy dose of dopamine in our brain. Our brain gets flooded with dopamine, and it feels fantastic. It, it, it's, 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 it's euphoric. It just... You're not just getting the little bit that you get on a normal dopamine hit. No, this is like overload. It's like, whoa, king of the world, I can do anything. And that lasts for a little while. And then it doesn't. The thing is, though, this, if, if you do that again and again and again, what happens rather quickly, more quickly for some than others, uh, people are susceptible to this in different ways, but your brain fixes in on a new, it sets a, a new bar for the dopamine hit. Uh, it sets the bar very high. And, 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 and so that becomes kind of your new normal, your new buzz. And you keep trying to get that buzz. Now what happens is, as you're trying to get that buzz, that, that euphoria feeling, uh, well, your, your, your dopamine receptors in your brain, the ones that receive the dopamine that the brain, secre the brain secretes, they're getting fried because they're not meant to take this kind of dose of, of, of dopamine. So they're like, 
dude, we're burning out down here. And, and, and so now what happens is you develop a tolerance to the drug, and you have to take more and more of the drug to get the same effect. And if you continue with this thing, what happens is that, that you've got to take more and more. Now you can't even get the effect because your dopamine receptors are too fried. Now you're just trying to feel normal. Right? And, and, and you've got to take increasing amounts just to feel normal. And then when that stops working, you start to feel a dopamine deficiency. When you don't have access to the drug or don't have access to enough of the drug, uh, you start to go through withdrawal. You, you, your, your, your brain, if dopamine is the pleasure giver, a lack of dopamine is the misery giver. Uh, you feel depressed and, and alienated and disjointed and can't concentrate. And depending on the drug and depending on how long you've been using it and depending on genes and a whole lot of other things, there can be a whole lot of symptoms that go with that. It's, it's withdrawal. We used to call it jonesing. Do they still call it that? Jonesing. Dude, are you jonesing? The guy's like, no, I, I could quit any time. I'm not jonesing. Can you give me a hit? Uh, I'll quit tomorrow. Yeah, jonesing. It's, 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 it's no fun. It's no fun at all. Now, it, it, it's most explicit with drugs and alcohol and chemical abuse. But see, there's, there, there's a lot of things that, that can give us that dopamine fix. And as we go on this fallen world, our reward circuitry can hit on a lot of strange things. Uh, some addictive substances like tobacco and caffeine and sugar. Sugar actually is one of the things that Americans are most addicted to. We don't know that, but we're addicted to that. Most of us are. Starting in the 70s, did you, I don't know if you knew this, but they started putting all this fructose in all of our food. And fructose, this is a form of sugar, goes right into the liver and lowers your serotonin level. And serotonin is what tells your brain that you've had enough. And this is why we, after a meal, we, we very quickly start feeling like we need to eat more. Uh, they're tricking us. This is why we're getting so fat. You know, it's just, we're, and if you don't think sugar is, is, uh, is, is, is a, a drug that you maybe are addicted to, try, get, try to get off of it. <laughs> uh, no, I've never tried. <laughs> But I am, I'm trying to lower it. I'm lowering it. And that's miserable enough. Sounds like it's like, you see a candy bar, and it's like, ah, I want it. It's like, and I know it's a trouble when I start sneaking on my wife. You know, it's like, like taking my son out and we stop and get a candy bar because I can't get one at home. It's like, Michelle's trying to actually get off of it, and she's a grouchy sometimes. It's like, it's not easy. Try going cold turkey. Cut out all the stuff that has fructose in it. It's, 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 it's the new addiction. Um, it, it, we can get addicted to uh, certain behaviors. Uh, gambling is a, is a classic thing. Uh, but we're looking for that dopamine hit. We're looking for something that's going to make us feel better. Uh, for a lot of people today, social media is becoming the new drug. I, I read this study where they took some 13-year-old girls and they had them go a week without any kind of social media. And 75% uh, of them experienced the same sort of withdrawals that you go through when you're getting off of a nar narcotic. They had, they had sweats, they had anxiety sort of, they couldn't sleep, you know, it, it, all sorts of stuff. But just like, it, they're addicted and they're going through withdrawals. Television can be your drug. The only time you feel really normal and good is when you're watching television. Or maybe it's a particular show. Uh, it, 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 video games can be a kind of a, a escape that we use. It gives you, whatever gives you that dopamine hit. There's nothing wrong with getting a dopamine hit. But the thing is, is it can become the kind of thing where we, we're addicted to it, where we no longer choose it. It chooses us. And, and anything, have you ever seen a show like, uh, what's it called? Uh, My Strange Addiction? Yeah. <laughs> Strange isn't, doesn't cover it, baby. It, I, I've only seen it a couple times, but it is bizarro. Uh, the things that people get maybe they're making it up I don't know but it's, one gal was addicted to licking her cat's fur <laughs> man 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even think about it. One person was addicted to eating glass. They break up glass and eat it. That, that, wouldn't that give you a sore throat? Um, one lady was eating the foam, addicted to eating foam from her couch. Foam from her couch. Devouring your so people get addicted to hoarding things. That's that's one that I don't know if a person was into that, and it's, it's just you just collect it. But whatever gives you that fix can become something that you're in bondage to, um, and and it, it diminishes us because we're no longer living in the freedom for which Christ set us free. All right. I, I want to illustrate this a little more graphically and get it a little more concrete with this by looking at a testimony. This is a guy who goes to Wilton Hills Church, and we just asked him to share his his testimony about addiction. So let's watch this. This is Gary. You know, I just lost innocence, uh, you know, too young. So whenever my life would have any kind of pitfalls, I would really dive into uh, drugs and alcohol. And it, it came to the point where I'm not sure I ever really knew myself, um, you know, sober. You know, I, I couldn't even envision myself sober. I received my first uh, uh, DUI uh, in 1998. And that, uh, that led to some harsh consequences. So I found myself in the workhouse and I found myself thinking that if I'm gonna be you know, a father, um, that I needed to uh, you know, get this together. And then uh, after about a month or so, I thought, you know what, I'm never gonna use again. And I'm gonna get my kids back. And I, so I had all these grandiose plans of what my life was gonna be like. I went on to really, uh, you know, grasp on to sobriety and and community and, and you know and and just there is another way. And I, <laughs> I don't know where I was, but I never really grasped that there was another way to live. Uh, and so finally, I, I got a little bit of the light. So I maintained sobriety for quite a while. Um, I. Uh, had another child, was married, uh, you know, uh, got my job back. As time went on, uh, you know, life started to, the pitfalls started to come up again. It was a recipe for disaster because things got important to me other than my sobriety. I drifted away from recovery and I drifted away from uh, people that can help. And I found myself in 2009 um, on vacation. Uh, with a drink in my hand. It was just as bad as everybody told me it was going to be, <laughs> and then worse, except for I had this feeling that, um, you know, my life was, was over. The other thing that's at the core of addiction is selfishness. It's a very selfish disease, uh, and it will rob you of your ability to care for other people. Yeah, I had cashed out my pension, uh, and spent it and I was going for broke uh, but I just kept going because um, I didn't want to face anybody lost my home my job and I didn't really lose any of these things though I gave them away okay we'll come back to this in a little bit um, well that's not the good part we're getting the good part I just want to just note, note the pattern here okay so uh, you're going along in life and you hit some pitfalls we all do uh, and it's natural when you hit a pitfall to say, gosh, I need a pick-me-up. What can relieve this stress? What can relieve this misery, this depression, whatever? And, and so you look for something, and Gary finds, at a very young age, drugs and alcohol. And uh, it, it does its job. It relieves uh, the, the, the stress or the pain or whatever it is. But his circuitry gets hijacked, as it always does. 
with these things. And the bar gets set very, very high. And, and so now he's going to be trying to attain that high. And because of that, other things in his life that used to give a dopamine effect no longer do. I, 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 he's so accurate when he says it's a selfish disease. Uh, you lose your capacity to care about anything or anyone. Why? Because it doesn't give you the buzz anymore. What can compete with this? And as a result of this, he loses everything. Or rather, as he says, he gives it all away. Fortunately, and, 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 and we know, know this, because the, the, the brain circuitry, this reward system, is, is part of a survival part of your brain. So you're part of your reptilian brainstem. It has to do with survival. These are, it gets interpreted as a behavior or a thing that you need to survive. And so for, for an addict, this feels like air. You need this like you need air. And that's why everything gets put on the, the back burner. Uh, one of the ways you can tell a person's falling into drugs is that they just stop being interested in things they used to be interested in. They used to like football, no longer. They used to get into art, music, whatever. Because the only thing that really matters is the air. It is getting that dopamine hit. So uh, fortunately, God doesn't leave us there. For freedom, he has set us free. Praise God. And he keeps on working to get us free. He doesn't give up on us. Uh-uh. But when we hit bottom, he is there to catch us. And, and then we redefine where bottom is, don't we? And there's a new bottom. Well, he's there too. And then there's another bottom, and he's there too. And no matter how far down that rabbit hole you go, he's going to be lower waiting for you to finally get turned around. Amen. So here's what happened to Gary. For me, what finally uh, broke through uh, was a situation with my son. We were doing meth. And I turned around, and he was standing there. And I saw a look in his eyes, and I knew right away that um, I was seeing myself uh, through, through his eyes, and, and it was not pretty. And that is when the phone rang. It was a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for years, and, and he said that he had read some stuff on Facebook, and he was worried about me, and he asked me if I wanted to try something different. And I said, yeah, I think I do. We said the sinner's prayer together. Uh, as I was, re, re, you know, repeating the words, they became uh, very real. And I had taken all my sin on, and it was very, very heavy. Um, and by the end of, of, of the sinner's prayer, I, I, I felt some, some relief. Uh, and and it, it really felt like you don't have to die for your sins, because I did. I already have. Uh, they're washed away. When you stop you know, using, uh, that can be uh, the worst time of your life. Now, when you do actually stop, it's when the reality of the damage you've done, that's been done, and all of it just catches up to you. God will send people uh, to catch you. And during my first uh, DWI, uh, they made me go to a mad panel. Uh, was located in this building, the Nils Church. I would come to church here every Sunday, and Greg would always say, come up front, these people would love to pray with you. Uh, so I did. The guy says, what do you do on Thursday nights? And I said, I got a feeling you're going to tell me. So I was invited to the refuge. I had no idea what I was getting into. I absolutely no idea of what a recovery ministry looked like. Um, but I found out it was a good thing. It was, it's the church inside the church. My sobriety before I knew the Lord was all about me. Uh, you know, it was all about getting my job back and fixing my relationship with my kids, getting my car, my job, my house, 
my this, my that. Whereas once I, I gave my life away uh, to the Lord, uh, it was easy to see where this isn't my doing and this is not necessarily for me. Um, in fact, I have to pinch myself once in a while because um, I think back to how broken I was, uh, you know, and to how broken people were that have came in contact with me uh, throughout all this. I, I walk around here, uh, you know, just trying to bless people in any way I can. And somewhere along this process, um, I received something that I never planned on having back. That was my innocence. <laughs> I have nothing to feel guilty about. You know, I have nothing to, uh, nothing that I need to hide. I'm an open book, and I'm innocent. <laughs> That's one free ombre right there, right? Thank you, Gary, for sharing that. Okay, Gary mentioned us several things that, that uh, I think just are really biblical, and they're stepping stones, I think, to getting free. Whether you're dealing with a chemical a substance addiction uh, or a behavioral thing, whatever it is, uh, several steps of freedom that he mentions. The first thing is, is just to ask and receive forgiveness. Ask for and receive forgiveness. Um, a turning point for Gary, you saw this, is when he realized that he didn't have to pay for his own sin. Now, this is huge. It's really huge. Uh, because the shame, where you're beating yourself up for all the, being the loser that you are, um, it just reinforces the whole addiction cycle. And a lot of times we think that you can shame a person out of their stuff. You're like, what's wrong with you? you know, but actually, it tends to have the opposite effect, and, and especially when it comes to addiction. Here, here, here's the, the devil's strategy. Some of you can relate to this. I, I bet you've seen, experienced In fact, I think all of us have experienced this to some degree. So you go along and you hit a pitfall, because pitfalls come in life. Uh, you're, so you're kind of having a low day. You're sad. You're stressed out, something. You could use a dopamine fix. Along comes the devil and says, I got some dopamine. All you got to do is pop this pill, just toke this thing, just shoot it up one time, just view this website. Yeah, I guess you'll get a nice buzz and you won't feel bad anymore. So you go after it. You take the bait. You take the pill. You push back the bottle. You eat the cake. You, whatever it is. And you get your dopamine fix. And it feels great for a moment. And then, bam, he pounces on you and says, you miserable piece of crap. Look, at you gave in that temptation. You don't stand up. You don't have any backbone. You're a weak schedule. You're a pseudo-Christian. You're a hypocrite. You're miserable. And you are miserable. So then he goes, I got some dopamine. I got some dopamine. All you need to do is take two pieces of chocolate cake now and two pills and pop, pop back two bottles and shoot it up two times and, and you'll feel great. So you want to feel big because you're really miserable also. You take it. And you feel great for a little bit. And then he pounces on you. You miserable scumbag, weak, snail breath, excrement, loser. You're miserable. And you go, I am miserable. And he says, I got some dopamine. And you see, the, it's, it's just a trap. Shame just drives us in that. The only way off of that shame treadmill is to get off the treadmill. And you do it like Gary did. For one thing, you know, the devil always needs secrecy, anonymity. It's always got to be, the shame is, is why we want to keep it secret. So he's always like, no one will find out. No one will catch you. No one has to know. This is between you and, this is you and yourself. You know, no one has to know. And what Gary found out was that you got to break that secrecy. You got to confess. Just come out, confess. 
Come clean with this, confess, ask for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness, the Bible tells us immediately you receive forgiveness. He is desiring, he wants to, he's, he's, he's longing to pour forgiveness on us. It's already forgiven, he just wants us to accept it. And so as Gary found out, you don't need to try to pay for your own sins because the truth is you can't pay for your own sins because the truth is they're already paid for. <laughs> and there's no double jeopardy when it comes to the atonement. And so the truth is when you ask for forgiveness, I don't care how many pills you've swallowed, how many bottles you've had, how, many, how, many, how much you've drunk it, how much you've destroyed your liver, how full of tar and nicotine your lungs is. I don't care uh, how, how many houses you've lost or bank accounts you've exploded or relationships that you've downed in the process of your addiction. I don't care how, how much you've screwed up uh, and, and, and how bad the pile is and how nasty the smell is. When you ask for forgiveness, you are clean. It is given to you. There, as far as the East is from the West, it's cast from you, praise God. And that's so important because... You need to return to innocence, to stay out of that shame cycle, to, to have that feeling of innocence. You get a do-over. You're born again, and, 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 and uh, you get a new start. And um, uh, the, the slate is wiped clean. And then when you surrender your stuff to Jesus, it, it, it's just, he's so, so smart that you can trust that he'll even bring all the mistakes. Somehow he'll weave it into a trophy case. He'll use it to the kingdom advantage. Like, Gary can give this testimony, and he never would have been able to give this testimony if he hadn't gone through that. Now, now was it good that he went through that? No. But now that it's done, God will make it good. <laughs> it was terrible that he went through it, but God can bring good out of everything. Man, he grows flowers out of, it all becomes fertilizer out of which he grows wonderful flowers. And uh, so that's why in the kingdom, folks, there's no regrets. No regrets, uh, no, no shame, no condemnation, no judgment. There's just people finding forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So the first step is to ask for and receive forgiveness. Second thing, I, I, I call this resting in Christ. Um, the, Gary's first attempt at, at sobriety didn't work because he was doing it on his own. Now, some people could just soldier up and they do it on their own. And God bless them. Uh, but as, as a follower of Jesus, you have a tremendous advantage uh, knowing Christ. And, and for Gary and for many, many other people, being sober without Christ wasn't enough to keep him sober. And so he fell back into it. It was only when he really found Christ and made Christ the reason for his sobriety that, that he really found the freedom that he's walking in now. Um, I, I say this a lot because I think it's the foundation of everything. And I'll say it again here. It, it applies whether you're struggling with addiction or struggling with relationships or not struggling at all. It applies. The most important thing that we can do as believers is to find time to do nothing. We're, we're such doers, achieving great things for God. We need to have time where we stop everything and just sit in the presence of God and enjoy God enjoying us. It's what we'll be doing throughout eternity. Uh, this, is, this is the fuel that everything in the kingdom runs on, including, including the fuel that will get you free from your addiction. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, guess what? Freedom. God is really into freedom. And so the Spirit's all about freedom. Now here's what freedom looks like. Paul says, and all of us, look at this passage, it's so, it's so brilliant, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, throughout this whole chapter, and even going into the next chapter, Paul's talking about the mind 
And he's saying the mind of unbelievers is veiled, so they cannot see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But when any, whenever anyone turns to the Spirit, Paul says, that veil is removed. Because where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Freedom to see what you couldn't see before. And it's as we behold in, in our mind, that's what he means with as through a mirror, as we behold the glory of God in what we today would call our imagination. Uh, what Erica had us do earlier, we imagine, see the Lord, the Spirit points us to him through, by means of the imagination, what the church called the inner sanctum, or the, our inner sanctuary. And you see and hear and sense and feel the beauty of God, uh, the glory of God. And Paul says that it's as we behold that, that we're transformed into that. You become what you see. So the, the, the most fundamental principle of trans, transformation is make sure you know what you're looking at between the ears, in the inner sanctum, and have time where, as, as, I, as I can experience him loving me as I am, I become more loving. And as I see him rejoice over me as I am, I, I become more joyful. And as I see his peace towards me as I am, I become more peaceful. And all of the character of God that he has by nature is given to me by grace as I gaze upon his beauty. This is what we'll be doing throughout eternity is just enjoying him, enjoying us. But it's so important that you do it as you are. This isn't the time to make promises about how you're going to be a better person tomorrow and you're going to do this and blah, 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 blah. Shut up! Just sit as you are, warts and all. All right? All that's ugly, all that's broken, all that's a failure. Unless you can experience the love of God as you are, you're never going to become something different in a healthy way. You got to get the love up front or you're not really getting the love. If you're getting love as the result of something, it's a different kind of love. This is a love that's given up front. It's, it's, the, it's all up front for you. It's there. It's settled. And nothing you're ever going to do is going to improve that, okay? And, and, and as we sit, as we are, in our manure, if you will, that, that's what gives God a chance to show us that his love for us isn't based on our getting out of manure. It's not based on how clean we are, how good we smell, how wonderful we look, how wonderful we perform, how religious we are, any verses we know, blah, 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 blah. shut up! No, it's based only on him being who he is and you being who you are. And apparently, he sees you as having unsurpassable worth in the midst of your manure. And the minute you start to get that, you start to get out of your manure. It's the opposite of the devil's strategy. The devil says, what shame is all about is saying you belong in the manure. Fuck you, you're a manure person. And that's exactly how it feels because you are in the manure that you created. And so it's just a cycle. It's just, it'll keep you in the manure. Shame will keep you in the manure. But when you are touched by the love of God, the real love of God. Uh, and you get a little sense of your worth. We sing that Christmas song, and the soul felt its worth. When you begin to get just a whiff of the unsurpassable worth that you have, you begin to realize that you are not a manure person. Oh, you've been thinking like a manure person, acting like a manure person, talking like a manure person, smelling like a manure person, but you're not a manure person. Why? Because you are created in the image of God. You have unsurpassed worth, and Jesus thought you were dying for. And when you begin to see that you're a king's kid, and you're born for royalty, and you're destined for greatness, and you're absolutely beautiful, you don't belong in the manure. Now the manure starts to feel unnatural to you, and now you've got motivation to get out of the manure. The love of God can do what nothing else in the universe can do. Uh, laws can't change you. Threats, the threat of hell can't change you. Oughts and shoulds and gotta do's and religion and religious hoops you gotta jump. None of that will fundamentally change you. The only thing that can really change you, it's the most powerful force in the universe, and that is the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus on Calvary. Praise God. It sets the captives free. Hallelujah. It releases the captives, it breaks the chains. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is freedom. It is freedom. And for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand fast in that freedom, which leads to the third point. And that is embrace the suck. <laughs> embrace the suck. Now that is a military phrase. You don't find me quoting the military too often around here, do you? But I, I knew a guy who did a couple tours in Iraq and he came back and he said that that's a slogan they use all the time. Because sometimes it really sucks over there. And if you try to fight the suck, it makes it suckier. It just makes it worse. And so just embrace it. Just embrace it. It's going to be there. Just embrace it. I find it to be a real uh, helpful thing uh, in certain circumstances, including when addressing this issue. Because here's the thing. If you have, for any length of time, been getting a dopamine buzz by this activity or viewing this site or taking this substance or drinking this drink or eating this sofa, whatever it is that turns you on, uh, licking your cat. <laughs> <laughs> kitty, kitty. Poor cat. You know, it's like, run away. <laughs> Get your tongue off me. I know it. Uh, I'm censoring so much right now. Uh, I'm just thinking, like, poor husband. Did they kiss? It's like, <laughs> they go to kiss. <laughs> Honey, you have the furious tongue in the world. <laughs> no. okay. Move on, move on. Okay. <laughs> So, here's the thing. If you've been for any length of time been getting your dopamine fix in that, when you stop, as, as Gary pointed out, it can be the worst thing in the world. It will feel like the worst thing in the world. Uh, now your brain has to recalibrate normal. Your normal's been here. And you've been trying to, to, to maintain it. Uh, now when you cut that off, you go through dopamine deficiency. And as I said earlier, you know, if dopamine is the pleasant chemical, dopamine deficiency is, feels like misery. In fact, because this is part of the, the part of your brain that deals with survival stuff, it feels like you're dying. It can feel like death. It, 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 it can suck big time. And it depends a lot on your genes and a lot on what chemical you've been using or what behavior you've been involved in and all sorts of other things. But, but with, this is withdrawal, and it's not pleasant. About six, seven years ago, I uh, was in a car crash. And I've had lifelong neck issues doing, dealing with some stuff in childhood. Uh, but this really activated them bad. I, I've got bone spurs, and I've got bulging, and I've got arthritis, and fusion. It's a, a systemic mess. Um, but this has aggravated it, and I was in constant pain. It felt like, there was, like my neck was wrapped in barbed wire. It was, and, and some of you who deal with chronic pain, I have such respect for you, because you have to work so hard at trying to stay in a good mood. It's, it's like the default now is negative. Um, okay, so I'm going to everybody trying to get this thing fixed and do all these blockers and all these different techniques and nothing really made much of a difference. I ended up at this one clinic uh, that, that had this uh, a, a, a drug rotating kind of a thing where they, they said we rotate uh, between families of, of meds so that you don't get dependent on any of them, okay? So you don't develop tolerance. Well, I tried that. You know, maybe it works for some other people, but it did not work for me. So I'm going, at first it's like, great, this is a little barbed wire, I love it. Uh, then it, a couple of months later, it's not working so well. I feel the barbed wire. Well, then I got to up the dose. Uh, that worked for a couple of months, and then I feel the barbed wire. And the rotating thing did not work at all. I don't know what they're talking about. So six, seven months into this, I see where this is going, and I don't like it at all. This is a dead-end street. It's only going to get uglier. 
So I think I got I, I, I to gotta get off of this stuff. Plus, I wanted to find out, I had one specialist tell me that when you have systemic issues like this, sometimes for a certain percentage of people, the nerves just fry and you don't feel the pain anymore. You just have numbness. And, but you won't know that if you keep on taking meds. So I had to find out what my ground level was. So I decided, I did a little research on it and I found out that I was really on a low dosage. I can't believe how much some people are prescribed. It's like, oh my, because uh, I'm way down here. But even being way down here, I decided, I'll, I'll, I'll quit. Just stop taking it. Well, the first day, it's like weird. I, I, it's, it's a weird feeling. You, you just feel weird. You're not like, you're out of your skin. Or something. It's like, like, I don't know. Some of you have Jones before, haven't you? You know what Jones thing is like? It's like, there's, you're hungry for something that doesn't exist. Or it's like, you're just in a nasty mood. Everything's ornery. Everything bugs you. Nothing's right. Everything's off. It's just, ugh. And then at night, you try to sleep and you can't because it's like, you just, it's just, it's nasty. And I was on a low dose. But I, at the time, I learned to embrace the suck. It's going to suck. But I, I found that reframing it really is helpful. I, for, for, like your brain is sending a, a physiological chemical, or a message that you're, you're, it feels like you're dying. Um, but you know that you're actually on your way to life. And it feels like bondage. It feels like bondage. But you know that you're on your way to freedom. So reframe it as this is what freedom tastes like. Okay, this is what freedom, embrace it. This is not bad. This is good. Because you're on your way to getting free. You're on your way to greater liberty. And standing fast in that freedom. Embrace the suck. In fact, I find, and maybe this is me, I may be twisted, but I find it's helpful to turn the thing on its head and say, come on, bring it. Is that the best you can do? Oh, I'm going to shiver a little bit. You know, I'm going to vomit a little bit. Big deal. Who cares? You know, just have that. Come on, bring it. And I find it makes it, it's still unpleasant, but, but you can go through it. And uh, uh, yeah, because this is the price of freedom. Uh, now, it can go on for a while. I don't mean to minimize it. I have, you know, it, it can really be bad. But you can, you will survive. In fact, as you're laying there tonight, having given up the drugs, and you're doing the Jones and thing, it, 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 go back to step number two, and you just imagine Jesus loving on you as you're on that bed because he adores you, and he's proud of you, and, and, and see him holding you, and he's saying, you're not going through this alone. I am always with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And just let that love surround you, and let that be your peace. Let that be your, your, new, your, your new dopamine fix, right? I don't know if this is even theologically accurate, but I, I've, I've, I've been told that, that, that the best way to get off an addiction is to get a new addiction. Yeah, I know, it doesn't sound very smart to me, but um, maybe there's some truth to it because, look, at if you can get the love of God to be your dopamine fix, get addicted to Jesus, man. That, be a Jesus junkie <laughs> and never kick that habit. And then get a picture of, uh, envision, this is what faith is about. Uh, envision you a month from now or two months from now or maybe a week from now, whenever you're done jonesing and, and just... Enjoy how free you're going to feel and how much money you're going to save not having to buy that stuff anymore and how good you're going to smell because you don't have that stink on you all the time and how, how wet your teeth are going to be and, 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 and just how, 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 you, how much dignity you're going to have because you're not in bondage to this stuff anymore because you're loading over it, rather it loading over you and that's how you were meant to be because you were created to be free. Stand fast in that freedom. Enjoy that. Let that pull you along. Amen? All right. And finally, and i got to end here in two minutes. Uh, because we have to set up a covenant partner meeting here. But don't do it alone. Never go alone. Uh, in the kingdom, everything operates better with community. And you really need, as, as, it was when Gary stopped doing community that he, he, he lapsed. When we're alone, we're vulnerable. It's like in a battlefield. You, you need a battalion around you. Um, 
Now, he, the, the obstacle of this, I, I get this, I get this. It's embarrassing. You know, no one knows that you're popping the pills. No one knows that you got little bottles hiding throughout the house just to handle the kids because you get so bored and, and, and you got to make it through. The, no one knows about your little secret private parties that you throw. And, and it would be so embarrassing if they didn't know because everyone sees you as an upright, standing, wonderful Christian who's got their act together. But see, as long as you're thinking like that, it's still about you. You're where Gary was. It's all about you. You got to prop that up. And I'll just tell you, you know, in all honesty, you ain't all that. Uh, get over it. Get over it. Here, here's the thing. Your sin put Christ on the cross. You're a Christ killer. No, fortunately, so am I. Uh, we're on the same boat. But that's the point. We're all the same boat. It's like, it's like, and so what difference does it make how you did that? If you murdered somebody, finding out what kind of pistol you use or what gun you use or what angle you had, is pretty boring. You killed somebody. That's the important thing. What the variety. So also, our sin was so serious, it took, took Christ going to the cross to save us. I know the worst thing about you. So there's nothing you could tell me that would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. No, it's just, oh, you just give me the flavor. And see, this is why, if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And if you just speak the truth, the truth shall set you free. Come out of it. There's no points given for having it together. And there's no points taken for not having it together. Because none of us got it together. And we're all just a bunch of sinners who are on a road to recovery. by virtue of the Savior who gave his life for us, praise God. So it's a, the playing field is level. So come out with it. Speak it. Be real. Amen. Just bringing out the truth is healing. Shame always needs secrecy. And, and that's the devil's trick. Uh, speaking the truth. The word truth in Greek means openness, uncovered. Be uncovered. This is what I love about the refuge. And I'll just end with this plug. Uh, we have several recovery groups in the refuge and a lot of other groups that meet for support reasons. And it's just, you know, everyone comes there and we're just, there's no pretense. There's no putting on. There's no, it's just we are, we are who we are. You got your issues. I got mine. Blah, 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 blah. And, 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 but we're all, we're, all, we're all walking towards the freedom that we're called to stand fast in. And I want to help you stand in your freedom, and you help me stand in my freedom, and because and, and it, it's for freedom that he has set us free. And we want to be free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? Would you stand? Um, hey, look at, uh, I, I'm told, I have a little announcement here I have to read. This is Mary's cute little thing. Oh, now I can't read it. it what does it say? It says here that... Um, Announce at the end of the service, uh, we're having a covenant partner meeting, and so we really would like you to take your conversations as quick as possible out in the gathering area. Usually we linger on here, but we've got to reconfigure the whole auditorium or something like that. So uh, please do this. And this is a strawberry shortcake notice. Isn't that cute? <laughs> it's a strawberry. It's a, hallelujah. Um, okay, you guys, look at, uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free. As we leave here, uh, know that you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and the Spirit is about freedom. And I pray that as we do it, we do it with a commitment to always be pursuing that freedom, standing fast in that freedom, and helping others uh, arrive at that freedom. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and be free.